Thy nature, Jesus Christus. This is Father Ripperger of Superior to Society, the most sorrowful mother and spiritual director of Lieber Christo, inviting you to join the instructors Kyle and Dan, and now your host, Jesse Romero, at the Lieber Christo War College, where you will receive instruction and briefing on Catholic's virtual warfare. Welcome to the Liberal Crystal War Call Situation Room. I got Dr. Dan Schneider, myself, Jesse Romero. We're talking about the issue of power and authority, which is a huge issue. And uh, we're going to listen to a short presentation from Father Ripperger. Then we'll make some comments about it. I'll tell you why this is so important. I just saw a video right now. It was sent to me. You had some young people from Black Lives Matter that were shoplifting out here in a, uh, in a big department store out here in Tempe, Arizona. And they were stealing. And so a couple, an Anglo couple, told these young black kids, said, hey, quit stealing, put the stuff back. And guess what happened? That uh, middle-aged Anglo couple, they got assaulted. They got beat up bad by about 10 young black kids from Black Lives Matter. Why, why did that happen? Well, because the young black kids didn't respect their authority. They said, who are you? You can't tell me to stop shoplifting. You can't tell me to stop stealing. Now, when the police came, all the young black kids from Black Lives Matter, they ran. What if they, rec- what if they recognize about the Phoenix Police Department or the Tempe Police Department? They recognize authority. They said, these people have the, the power to do something and the authority to tell me to stop it. But this other Caucasian couple that were just there, hey, quit stealing, quit stealing. They were just basically customers as well. And they suffered a huge retaliation from 10 people from Black Lives Matter because they were saying, who are you? You don't, you don't got no right to tell us what to do. And so this is why this, this topic is very important. We're going to hear Father Ripperger in his own words. Uh, he's going to give a brief a commentary on this. And then we got Dr. Dan Schneider and myself. We'll try to unpeel it like an onion. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? What this means is, is that they have the right to do that. But God, in establishing the authority structure through the natural and divine positive law, when he concedes authority to a particular individual... It's designed to protect people. That means that the authority himself will be protected when he follows right order in the exercise of his duty in protecting others. God will protect those who protect others in a rightly ordered way and according to the structure. That's why when the, um, it doesn't mean from time to time God won't let the exorcist or the, the people take a little bit of a beating in a certain area, but it just means that God will protect the priest, God will protect the person when they have the authority to do so. Why? Because they have a moral claim to protecting the individual, and therefore God will honor that. Okay. So authority, therefore, is a right, it's a moral claim of disposition, either an action or thing, on the side of the one of the authority, in relation to others, by which they must follow his legitimate commands. Demons attack authorities, again, mentioned by usurpation or getting people to think, you don't have to follow him. You don't have to obey him. He's an idiot. Don't obey him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Remember that time he told you to do X and it turned out badly? You don't have to obey him here when it may be a legitimate command, right? But it also means that the demons know that we have authority in relationship to specific things. It's not just a matter of degree of authority or how much authority, but it's in relationship to specific things things over which I have authority. I have, I have legitimate authority over the property that I own. I don't have authority over my next door neighbor's property. Right? Now I might, um, so that being the case, that means that I have a right to 
you know, to tell, uh, to tell others who are trying to move my stuff around on my property that they don't have a right to do so. But I do have the right. So if I see someone stealing my neighbor's knowns, I don't have the right to command him on my own authority to leave. What I have to do is I have to tell him, hey, you don't have a right over that. Leave it alone, right? So the, the command isn't coming from my authority. The command is coming from the authority of my neighbor. But if my neighbor tells me, hey, you, you back off. You, it's not your business to be telling other people what to do in relationship to my property. Then I got to leave it alone, right? And this is essentially what's happened. In relationship to the authority structure, God has set up, this is when you can tell people to do things and when you can't. And that's why the natural law and the divine positive law are so key. Of course, the natural law historically collapsed in the church in the 40s and 50s. So if you look at the progression of modernism, the first thing to collapse was there was an all-out assault on the veracity of Scripture. Then there was an all-out assault on ecclesiology. That's what's happened in the teens and 20s. Then there's an all-out assault against the natural law. That's the progression. And so, the, because the natural law had collapsed in the 50s, you see this especially in relationship to what's permitted and not permitted in relationship to the Sixth Commandment and the moral, in some of the moral manuals in the 50s. Right? It's just against the natural law. And the tradition was very clear it was against the natural law, but that's collapsed. So what happens is by the time you get to now, there's virtually no understanding of the natural law. The last pope to even talk about much about the natural law was John Paul II, which he had bits and pieces of, and he actually relied on it for certain things. But the rest of the popes haven't been talking at all about the natural law, and the bishops don't talk about the natural law. Why don't they want to talk about the natural law? Because you're going to have to tell people they can't contracept or abort and things of that sort, or they can't be fornicating and things of that sort. So there's a, there's a, a reason why, because the bishops are weak, that they're not going to do that, okay? But the natural law is the one which sets up the structure. If you, uh, I'm working on a book right now on the nature of diabolic influence, and in there, in the chapter on authority, I have an extensive section about how the church recognizes the popes, especially uh, Leo the Thirteenth, recognize that authority is something conceded. Authority is something conceded by the natural law. We also know it's conceded by divine positive law because Christ gave the apostles the, the uh, commission, go and teach all nations, which means he gave them authority over all the nations. It's a very specific kind of authority, but he still gave them the authority of all the nations. This is why the civil authorities do not have the right to usurp the rights and authority of the church to teach the faith universally. Right? So they don't have that right. Of course, we're seeing that just completely violated in spades with the lockdowns that they're putting in place. Okay. So, that being said, so authority comes from the divine, uh, from the natural law, the divine positive law. Why? Well, for two reasons. One, because it's a structure that he puts in our minds, so that's what tells us what to recognize as authority and what not to. But also, it's through this natural law structure that God set up. He set up a, a, an order natural inclinations to specific things. He set up family life. He set up the father as the head of the household, and the, and the mother in relationship to the children has authority over the children. The father has authority over the children, etc. So he set up this, this and the, you see it in the children. They naturally obey. He set up the natural law structures. He set up the natural law structures even in relationship to civil authorities. 
And then he also sets up the, the um, one, one aspect of the natural law. It's kind of an interesting thing. St. Thomas says in his early works that part of the third category of natural inclination of the natural law, that's the stuff that's proper to reason, is that God is to be obeyed. That's part of the natural law. Now, in his later works, that it's not, it doesn't appear anymore. And I'm not sure why that is the case. But in these earlier writings, that's part of it. And we know that's actually the case in relationship to demons because the demons know that God must be obeyed, right? And why do they know this? Because it's part of their natural law structure, okay? So it's from the divine positive law and from the natural law that the authority structure is set up, and those are the authority that the demons obey. Those are the authority, that's the authority structure that the demons understand, and that's what the, the structure that they work within, they don't work within um, ideas that human beings have, except insofar as they can use them against them. Okay. So either authority comes from the natural law or the divine positive law, but it ultimately comes from God. So, um, one last thing about, um, about authority. One of the signs, it seems to me, that authority is such an important issue is because during a time in which the demons are obviously gaining a great deal of ascendancy and power among human beings is precisely at a time when authority has been under nonstop assault and attack and which authority is poorly understood and virtually never obeyed. And so this tells you that there's a correspondence here. You know, if, if what I was saying was false, if what the church had been saying is false, if what the theologians and philosophers for centuries have been saying which is false, that is basically the demons recognize the authority structure and they have to obey it, and that that's what you work within, if that was false, the demons would be pushing that like no one's business and everybody in the culture would be following it. But they're not. It's the exact opposite. What's happening is, is the demons are pushing an erosion of the perceptions of authority. They're attacking authority on every single possible level. And one of the areas they're attacking is the authority of the clergy, even in this area. You know, you hear people will actually say things like, you know, you don't need to go to a priest. The priest, you know, they, and they, they even accuse the priest of usurping this to themselves in some fashion which is absurd, right? And so this is one of the reasons why when you look at the church, it's graded in how it says who has the authority over what. You know, the bishop obviously has um, jurisdiction over his diocese and therefore can grant it to a priest to do solemn exorcism. The bishop himself is ultimately the exorcist of his diocese and can do solemn exorcism. Then the priests have certain authority, but even that's restricted in relationship to chapter 3 of Title 12 of the Ritualo Romanum, which is the exorcism against apostate angels. He can't do that. He can't use that. That's a perfect example of having a power without the right to do it. You, the priest cannot do Chapter 3 without the permission of his bishop. That's a key thing. He has the power to do it. He doesn't have the right to do it unless his bishop gives him the right. He doesn't have the authority to do it. And I've known a priest, and I'll end with this, to give you an understanding, I know a priest who was using chapter 3. It had its effect, which means it had, he had the power 
to drive the demons out. In that process, this was before the Vatican had made a clarification and we actually understood that demons, um, or that we actually understood that it was actually restricted. He became subject to a curse precisely because he was materially, not formally, disobeying the church. Okay, we'll stop there. Father Chad Ripperger on essentially modernism's effect on natural law. <coughs> Something, Dan, that uh, I, I came to understand this uh, years ago. I entered into a debate when I lived over in the Diocese of Los Angeles. There was a black pastor there that was basically calling up the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, and he says that he wanted to debate a Catholic, any Catholic priest on the issue of authority. So the Diocese of L.A. asked me if I wanted to take on the, on, on the uh, challenge, so I did. So I had a two-hour debate against a, a, pa a black pastor in, all, in, all, in an all-black Protestant denomination, and we debated the issue of authority. And one of the things that I did, and even his entire black congregation came up to me and said, we want your notes after this, Mr. Romero. We never heard this before. I just said, nothing's changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, there are lines of authority. There's, there's jurisdictions of authority. Old Testament high priests, Jesus Christ, our high priest. They all said, okay, we, we're, we follow you. Old Testament priesthood, Levites, Aaronic priesthood, New Testament uh, apostles and presbyters. They said, okay, we follow. Old Testament, every man was a priest under the home. Or in fact, some, some, of, a, some of the Jewish uh, rabbis actually say every Jewish man was the rabbi of his house. This is rabbinical teaching. New Testament, Ephesians 5.22, every man head of the home. This makes a lot of sense to me. This is natural law. This is revealed in sacred scripture. And Dan, Father says that demons even understand this. And here's where I want you to comment on this. Because there's so many people that have good intentions in the church. And they say, come on over. I'll pray over you. I've got this, this, this charismatic gift. God uses me very powerfully. Or God uses my neighbor very powerfully. And there probably is some effect. Because I've seen it. I've seen it. But the fact of the matter is, is that ultimately, I just tell people, the demons are going to come back because we need to. And I figured this out many years ago until I reconnected with you. I said, people need to be taught to live in a state of grace so they can shut the door to the diabolical and live in sanctifying grace with the indwelling trinity in their soul. And they have to be turned into prayer warriors, militant prayer warriors, where they're basically like a personal monastery of prayer. I figured that out years ago, Dan. Uh because again, somebody just praying over you, you, you could have some temporary relief. But unless we understand the fact that there's an authority structure, I think the demons are going to come right back. Uh, what say you, Dr. Nan Schneider? Yeah, um, absolutely. We've seen this experientially. I think we two things. One is let's look at the premise or the thesis of Father's today's segment. Um, the thesis, I think, if you boil it down, is to is um, demons. Uh, um, um, are uh, they 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 know the authority structure and must obey it. That's really the, the the thesis of today, the premise. 
They recognize authority structure and they must obey it. So in the in the negative, he gives the example in the end of someone who um, a priest who was and a good example of it is chapter three. A priest was praying chapter three without he had the power to do it, but not the authority because that particular prayer is restricted. Um, and each bishop gives gives permission to some some diocese. They do all, all the bishop, all the priests have the right to pray. They the, are given the authority to pray. Other times that authority is restricted to more senior priests. Um, it's up to the local ordinary to make that decision. So in this case, before the clarification took place, he the priest prayed these prayers. Uh, chapter three if, for the listeners is basically the um, the prayer against uh, fallen angels. Um, it's called the Leonine or the Michaeline St. Michael prayer, um, where they, they, they directly, um, um, it's, it's, it's embedded in, into the rite of exorcism in, in what was chapter three. That's why we refer to it as chapter three, but it's the, the prayer, the, the St. Leo uh, prayer, Pope Leo prayer against the fallen angels. Um, so, so what he says is, is that the demons recognize it. And when you're outside of the right authority, um, you're, you're exposed to retaliation, but that's that's the warning, the danger. But when you're working within your right authority, it's very very powerful, um, including the right authority of for 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 fathers and husbands and wives, fathers and mothers listening today. Working within that, the demon recognizes. This is the premise from today's talk. The demon recognizes the authority structure and must obey it. So we walk down. If you walk down your your you know, uh, when I was a helicopter pilot, we had we memorized uh, the Dash Ten manual, and we had you know procedures. You walk down procedures when something goes wrong, right? Uh, um, loss of tail rotor effectiveness. You walk down. This is these are your the procedures you take. Uh, um, you know whatever tail, chip tail light. Boom. You walk down. So whenever your procedures, you walk through the logical sequence of steps to determine what your course of action will be. Mm-hmm. What Father is saying is that the diabolic responds to natural law. Um, and, and the next segment, I want to get a little into modernism. But Father, in this segment, uh, let's talk about what Father says. Uh, in the end, the demon responds to natural law. And so that's the first thing when 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 a demon is is approached in prayer, whether it's an ecclesial prayer or personal prayers, um, the the demon goes down his own checklist. Is this person does this person have authority over this object, person, or thing? If they does not, the power could still drive them out, but the but they could be exposed to retaliation. It may or may not come. Um, the second is First is the establishment of authority. The second checklist for the, the, the response is like, why isn't this demon responding? Why isn't this situation clearing up? Well, do you have the authority? Okay, I do have the authority. Second is, do I, am I, the second is the merit of the person who prays. Are you in a state of grace? This is what you, you very, very uh, um, succinctly describe in your last book on. on um, um, Lord, prepare my hands for battle. Ramped about it, the gold, the gold one um, covered the that one. You, the state of grace is absolutely essential. You don't you don't roll in. You could have authority if you're not in a state of grace. You will be retaliated against. So you must be in a state of grace, and not just a state of grace, but the merit. Dan, we, can this, I jump in for a second? Can I yes. mention something? Uh, uh, in my men's group, I got about fifty to hundred guys that show up every week. We pray the rosary here at the parish, uh, and and I put all the guys on a, on a basically. On three times a day prayer, Daniel 6, verse 10 and 11, morning, midday, evening. And I also have them doing uh, the uh, Auxilium Christinorum. And I tell the guys, 
if you're not in a state of grace, don't pray these prayers. A lot of guys have told me after in, my, in the men's group, they say, Jess, you know that prayer that you told to start praying? I went home and started praying it. Man, I got attacked that night. That's, this has never happened to me before. Things were crawling out of my bed, they, grabbing my ankles, threw me off the bed, uh, jumping on top of me. I said, dude, did you go to confession before you start these prayers? Like I told you, nah, I've been to confession yet. I said, uh, I said, so what are you doing? I'm doing this, this, that, and the other. I said, don't pray those prayers. You've got to get rid of the mortal sin. Dan, several, half a dozen guys have told me, here, here in my local parish, they said, those prayers are like, I mean, these are like nuclear warheads. I was attacked because I didn't take you serious, Jess. I started praying those prayers without really coming back to the sacraments. And boy, oh boy, at least six different guys have been very graphic on the actual attacks at night in their bedroom. And they were graphic. I mean, these are things that were just coming coming from the walls, jumping at them, choking them. These guys, Some of these guys were crying, man. These guys were scared. I said, don't be scared, but you got to go to confession. And this is exactly what happens. You can't be playing games with this these prayers. These are, like you say, high flash weapons. So I'm just telling you, in the field, I know half a dozen guys in my neighborhood that are saying, don't pray the Exilium Christinorum if you're not right with God. Yeah, the, the, the downside is there are those that think we shouldn't be praying these prayers at all. Nobody should pray these prayers because of the things you described. But again, if you follow the sequence, a logical sequence, which is Father. Father is giving us the AWACS. AWACS are the Air Force guys that are doing intel from, you know, 30,000 feet. No one, they're, they're higher than, than, than the, even the, the, the radar. Uh, they're, they're above the radar. They're in the atmosphere taking pictures of the battlefield for us grunts in the field. That's what Father is doing for us. But but what, what we see is, again, the state of grace and the merit that not just I'm in a state of grace, but, the, you know, we know this to be true because even in the, the 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 indulgences that the church grants that that you must be for the indulgence to 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 be effective. You must be free from the attachment to even venial sins. And so the merit, the uh, the human merit. Uh, helps to bring about the efficacy of prayer. So that's why I, I, I continually tell people that to be effective in spiritual warfare, and we're talking about taking care of business. You know, this is this is this is uh, Dusty Rhodes, the taking care of business tour. Remember Dusty Rhodes, the wrestler. Oh yeah. Take business in your home. You want to take care of business, as Dusty would say. Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> you have to you have to be pure in thought, word, and deed. And from that, if you're in the if you're in if you have the right authority as as father or mother um, in the home over the object, the place, or the person, and you are you are effectively in a state of grace, and you are your merit, your you're growing in purity and thought, word, and deed. Your prayers now. You are a machine gun embedded in and now you can start unloading you know uh, uh you know 7.62 uh, rounds uh, m60 machine gun bah, 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 bah. you can now put those down range and the third thing is the accuracy of the prayer is the specific prayer itself so so a lot you know uh people always want to ask us like what prayer can i do for this what prayer can i do for that well uh go to confession that's the best prayer. Get in a state of grace, grow in holiness, and thought, word, and deed. And then you start looking at specific prayers. So this is kind of the, the threefold checklist that we need to go down before we start engaging the enemy and not just rushing in the battle because the enemy's going to use 
uh, even our virtue, even our best virtues, the enemy will use against us. The enemy is the best judo, jujitsu fighter there ever was. So we have to just be aware of that, that there's rules of engagement. The enemy, this is the premise of today. The enemy plays by certain rules. He's bound by these rules by natural law, and he holds us. As Father was taught and has taught us that demons are lawyers from hell. So they, they live by a specific legal code. And as long as we stay within that code, not only are we can we safely practice spiritual warfare, we should be practicing. It's just part of our spiritual life and our prayer life in the home. So anyway, that's that's kind of my comment on that last that last segment. Dan, I want you to, uh, Dr. Dan Schneider, I want you to talk a little bit about um, the way the diabolical has actually attacked uh, the natural law, our understanding of the natural law, because it's not mentioned, like uh, Father Ripperger said, the last pope that mentioned it was John Paul II. You know, here and there he'd mention natural law, but it's something that's not even in the mind of most prelates these days. And he says that the natural law collapsed in the 40s and 50s, and modernism began attacking scripture, ecclesiology, and now it's attacking natural law. And today there's virtually no understanding of the natural law. Can you flesh that out? Yeah, um, I'm going to read here from the, um, Father John Harden, uh, Modern Catholic Dictionary. This is just a great resource um, for any any library. It's not it's not heavy theological, but it just gives you like, what does this mean? What does this mean? So here's what Father Harden describes or how he defines modernism, because we think of modernism as you know internet, uh, you know web internet web uh, texting, uh, you know whatever. Uh, modern technology. Modernism is a theory, okay? A theory about the origin of nature. This is what he says. The theory about the origin and nature of Christianity first developed into a system by George Terrell, 1861 to 1909, Lucien uh, Labarthonier, 1860-1932, and Alfred Loisy, 1857-1940. According to modernism, religion is essentially a matter—listen— Religion is essentially a matter of experience, personal and collective. There is no objective revelation from God to the human race on which Christianity is finally based, nor any reasonable grounds for credibility in the Christian faith based on miracles or the testimony of history. Faith, therefore, is uniquely from within. In fact, it is part of the human nature, quote, a kind of motion of the heart unquote, hidden and unconscious. It is, in modernist terms, a natural instinct belonging to the emotions, a feeling for the divine that cannot be expressed in words or doctrinal propositions, an attitude of spirit that all people have naturally, but that some are more aware of having. Modernism was condemned by Pope Pius, St. Pius X in two formal documents, Lamentabili and Pascendi, both published in 1907. So you, you see what modernism is, it's 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 a reformulation of Christianity based on uh, personal and collective experience, and not based on dogmatic uh, of the the revelation of God. You know the 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 handing down of truths from Christ to the apostles, as handed down um, through the successor to the apostles, safeguarded by the magisterium of the church, lived out uh, functionally. And the liturgical life of the church, the, the old phrase, lex credende, uh, um, uh, lex orande, lex credende, as we pray, we believe liturgically what we express liturgically is expression of the faith. Um, and, and as handed down, it's been supplanted by experientialism. And therefore, the next progression along the path is 
um, that so so the the threefold assault of modernism, according to what Father says, and I would agree with him. First, it, it began to attack the foundation of Scripture, and then it attacked ecclesiology, our understanding of the church, and then. Dan, hold that thought. Liber Crystal War College Situation Room. We'll be right back. Modernism's effect on natural law. Join VMPR live on YouTube September 12, 2020 for our latest free conference, The Ultimate Challenge. This exclusive virtual event will feature a brand new talk from Jesse Romero, How Apologetics Brought Me Back to Faith, plus never-before-broadcast video presentations from Father Mitch Pacwa, Dr. Scott Hahn, and the late, great Father Benedict Groeschel. And the question is... How do you understand the words of Jesus? This is my body, not this bread is my body, but this is my body, this is the cup of my blood. And may I state categorically and emphatically that you can not understand it. It is a mystery. Go to vmpr.org to register now and get ready to face the ultimate challenge. Absolutely mysterious. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome to the Situation Room at the Liberal Crystal War College. My name is Jess Romero. I'm the host. And uh, I'm here with Dr. Dan Schneider. We're uh, trying to give you high information Catholic spiritual warfare based on 2,000 years of Catholic tradition and teaching. And by the way, the Liberal Crystal uh, provides education, consultation, consultation, and the development of, of case-specific protocols and spiritual weapons for bishops, priests, deacons, Mental health professionals and lady involved in the perennial cosmic conflict between good and evil that's raging for the souls of men. And boy, oh boy, do we see that right now. For more information, uh, for a lot of the free material, you can go to LibraCrystal.org, LibraCrystal.org. And uh, with me today is one of the mighty men of valor, as Joshua would say, Joshua chapter 10, verse 7, Dr. Dan Schneider, 
resident theologian, uh, linguist, strategic elements uh, expert, uh, former boxer, uh, former officer in the Army. Uh, yep, this guy's a man's man, and I'm glad to have him here every single Wednesday uh, in a two-man car. Dan, I, I, on a natural level, I get this. I mean, I just saw a video right now on my phone somebody sent me. Again, these Black Lives Matter kids were stealing stuff at a department store. And a couple, probably, you know, 20 years or senior, said, hey, put that stuff away. You can't be stealing. All 10 of, this, of these young black kids turned on this Caucasian couple and beat them to a pulp. Now, when did the kids get off? Phoenix Police Department pulled up and they all got up and started running. So here I see, I see exactly what Father Ripperger's saying, what you're explaining. The natural law kicked in. These kids said, who are you? You're not my mom and dad. You're not a security guard. You don't own the store. Mind your own business. I'll steal if I feel like it. And- yeah, well, go back to this definition, um, um, you know, from Father Harden. Think of it this way. This is what he says. Um, there is no objective revelation from God to the human race, right? Rather, Christianity is based upon, uh, or there's no reasonable grounds for credibility based on miracles or testimony of history. Faith is from within, right? It's kind of emotion of the heart, hidden and unconscious, right? Um, that uh, modernism says religion is essentially a matter of experience, personal and collective. Now, Compare this to, this is the Dei Verbum, one of the documents of the Second Vatican Council. It says that, um, now, what was handed on by the apostles includes everything which contributes towards holiness of life and increases the faith of the people of God. And so the church, in her teaching, life, and worship, scripture, tradition, magisterium, perpetuates and hands on to all generations all that she herself is and all that she believes. So as Catholics, we believe in a deposit of faith. The faith was handed from Christ to the apostles, gleaned as such from his words and his deeds, entrusted in this deposit. They, they are to safeguard it, to prayerfully con- to, to, to guard it and hand it faithfully to each generation. But what modernism says is um, doctrine and dogma, practice of the faith, all these things are experiential. They're not handed on. And now what does this look like in the public square? When you, when, once, you let, once you let modernism infuse into the church and undergird the authority of the church to hand down uh, the teachings of Christ, what it means is when it, when it reaches into the public realm um, that things like gender is a social construct. There is no natural law. We see this. Gender, this is very common in, in, in academia and other places. Gender is a social construct. Society comes together collectively, experientially, says no gender is now something that that social society has imposed and so now we need to open up vistas for a new definition of gender um and and the shedding off of natural law and so when you have young individuals um in their mind there is no no right authority there is no authority there's no right and wrong and so they did they responded and and you know in kind to this couple that tried to stop them now if it had been say 30 guys with baseball bats, they might have changed their mind. They might not have continued to loot, and they they wouldn't have responded to the authority of the thirty individuals um, 
with baseball bats, but they would have responded to the power. But they recognize that this couple has no authority, even if they had authority, even if it was their shop, they did not have the requisite power. And so they would have been, they, you know, they would have been retaliated against for that. But the, but the point here is that with modernism, we see a, a collapse of any order. And now what, what is the latest, again, public sphere modernist claim? Defund the police. The most illogical thing to, to any, any Catholic minded who understands natural law uh, thinking uh, 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 Joe Sixpack Catholic that it makes absolutely no sense. But when you look at it, breaking down the authority by modernism, which is based on experience, personal, emotional experience, it's a very dangerous proposition. And we see this in, in Catholic circles as well. You know, or the, or the phrase that we all hear, I'm religious, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You see, this is the, this is the phrase, the phraseology of the modernists that I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. There's no no authority that binds me. There's no authority of scripture. There's no authority, uh, ecclesial authority, and there's no natural law authority. Whatever drives me, I am my own magisterium. This is the modernist heresy lived out day to day. We're, we're seeing it on the streets, a rejection of authority. It began in the church, and now it's spilling over in society. For, uh, Dan, Father Ripperger says here, he says, the church has always taught that natural law sets up the structure for authority. Then he writes, authority comes from natural law and divine positive law. This structure has been put in our minds. God set up an order to natural inclinations for specific things. And here it says, he set up the father as head of the household. He set up the natural structure even through civil authorities. That's what you're talking about, police departments. That's a patriarchal civil authority, and uh, and again, this this thing it's, it's this has been attacked since modernism reared its ugly head, the headship of fatherly authority. You know, when you look at just the, the 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 scriptures, you just see this is the way God has always operated. For example, you know, I look at the story of Abraham, who was a you know patriarchal tribesman, a tribal leader. He chose Abraham. And he says, you know, take these people and go into, I'm going to get, I, I have a land for you, uh, the promised land. And so Abraham was a righteous man. He responds in kind. And, and he leads an entire tribe of people to the promised land. Again, God is setting up the structure through patriarchy. Uh, you see, Lot, God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, Lot, uh, take your wife and your kids out of out of Sodom because I'm going to destroy this, and uh, he doesn't tell the wife, "Hey, take your family out." When you see the way God operates, He's always going to patriarchy. He's always going to headship the man. Do this, Abraham. Joseph, take your family to Egypt. Lot, take your family out of Sodom. Abraham, take your family to the Promised Land. This is this is the way God operates and stuff. And I think this is especially where the diabolical attacks because a lot of men don't understand this. And they allow their wives to usurp their authority. And oftentimes because they get so beat down because they've made a couple of mistakes. And now the wife holds it up against them. Remember you did that? Shut your mouth and sit there and watch ESPN. And, uh, and there's usurpation. What say you? Yeah, oftentimes, you know, there's, there's dereliction on the part of the man. And they need, this is why, you know, men need to, 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 to shore themselves up. They need to turn off the garbage. They need to stop the porn. Um, they need, to, they need to, to, to stop all the bad habits and focus on their families. Wives and moms, need to, they need to recognize their mama bears 
The mama bear prayers are extremely effective. Um, we need to continue to, to work together. Uh, remember what Father said, that the authority structure is designed to protect um, both the one exercising authority and the one beneath the authority because they have the they have a moral they have a moral claim to protect so God has God has given us a hierarchical church for example to protect us the bride you know the bride of Christ the church so they have a they have their so when they exercise their spiritual authority they're under protection and this is one of the fallacies that we hear I hear priests say it quite often but I also um, hear a lot of people in the home say, oh, I don't, you know, think of the priest. I, I, I don't want to do the spiritual warfare stuff. You take care of that because I don't want to be a target of retaliation. I always say, Father, I got bad news for you. The minute you prostrated yourself before a bishop, of a prince of the church, a bishop um, of the living God, and prostrated yourself and had your hands anointed, you became a target. The minute we were baptized, we became a target. The, women, the minute we stood up and bowed before God and man, that we would, we would for better or worse, uh, stay faithful to 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 militate for our families, for our spouses. We became a target, so we're all targeted. You know what I mean? This is Hotel California. None of us get out of here alive. So we might as well learn how to engage correctly. But I can tell you, the worst thing you can do. Let's say you and I decided to to, to spar, right? You're going to be Rocky and Apollo Creed at the end of Rocky mm-hmm. Two, and we're going to sell it just for fun. No cameras, just you and me. And I decide, since you've got a lot more experience than me, and you know how to kick, and I don't know how to kick. I can only box uh, with my hands. I decide my best strategy is not to throw any punches. I'm going to stay on the ropes and I'm gonna, and I'm not, I'm just going to cover up. What are you going to do to me? I'm you're going to o- I'm going to overwhelm you. I mean, you're not fighting back. I'm just going to just I'm not fighting back. You're going to punch, punch you're gonna kick. And say punches and bunches. Yeah. <laughs> and that and but 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 this is the way the spiritual life works. You've got you've got to keep fighting. This is uh, um St. Francis de Sales and the the spiritual life is like kindergarten. Okay, and this is the last time we've received this promise was kindergarten. St. Francis de Sales says this, that in the spiritual life, you're victorious so long as you're fighting. And what the enemy wants to do is say, you need to stop fighting. You need to just if you don't if you don't engage, is it don't ask, don't tell policy. So, Father, uh, priest, uh, pastor of of XYZ, uh, St. Miscellaneous Church, uh, don't engage in spiritual warfare and I'll leave you alone. That's not that's a lie. If you try to sit back, the worst posture you could ever take is is to to decide to only be defensive and don't throw any punches. Now, you got to be prudent. Just don't don't just don't be throwing punches like these haymakers you see in these guys in these YouTube videos and stuff. Just throw them wild punches. Be precise. Be disciplined. Be a good soldier. Uh, and that's, you know, but don't be afraid to, to throw punches. Uh, and, and get to work in the spiritual life, both interiorly and, and in your homes, you know, with your with your your spouse, you know, praying with your spouse and for your children, et cetera. So so we think, oh, no, I shouldn't pray these prayers or, or a mom says, I better not pray these prayers. These are scary. No, these prayers, these prayers are designed to help us in the spiritual life. But all things must be done, as St. Paul says to the Corinthians, all things in right order. When things are done in proper order, um, it's very effective. Our spiritual warfare, our prayers uh, our spiritual growth is it, 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 we can grow very quickly when we work within nature and when we militate against nature. I think Father Don Calloway described natural law, violating natural. I think this is his analogy of putting rocks in a blender. Have you heard that? You know, you put rocks in a blender. Hold the thought. Hold the thought. Listening to Liber Crystal.
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Situation Room, Dr. Dan Schneider, Jesse Romero. We're providing you with uh, weapons of mass instruction with devil-destroying theology. Yep, that's DDT. Dr. Dan, let me, uh, Father Ripperger says the following. I want you to interact with this. He says, authority is such an important issue because at a time when authority is under attack like never seen before in our society, and you've made some good examples, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. By the way, a new, a new, um, uh, Occupy Wall Street's coming out of retirement. <laughs> they're they're going to start uh, getting involved in this uh, in this anarchy. He writes, authority is such an important issue because at a time when authority is under attack like never seen before, the demons become more active. There's the correspondence here. Demons are pushing and eroding perceptions of authority. They're attacking authority on every single possible level, especially the authority of the clergy, even in this area. You'll hear people say, for example, you don't have to go to a priest. Some claim that the priests are, and some people actually in the church claim that the priests are usurping spiritual warfare unto themselves. Uh, Dan, uh, what would you, what's your comments on uh, those last uh, statements made by Father Ripperger? Yeah, I mean, you know, the scripture that comes to mind is again. I mentioned it in the last segment. Paul's Paul's instruction to the to the to Corinthian community that all things must be in right order. Uh, I think next week's segment is on charism- the the charism- the the charismata, the charismatic gifts. But all these must be in right order. So when gift over when when gift is superseding uh, 
the authority of the priest, there's a disorder there. Whenever there's a disorder, it becomes um, that's part of the, the, the that's part of the, what attracts the diabolic. Whenever there's disorder, whether it's disordered sexuality, disordered speech, um, dis, dis, disordered disorderness in our vocation, this is where the pattern breaks that the enemy is looking for us as they, as they try to stalk or try to try to, to you know to entice and trap us into into sin. To lead our souls away, so they look for that that breakdown and disorder, and so and so many priests don't recognize their authority. But one of the the beauties of, of Libra Christ that we've discovered experientially is we're just tapping into um, what the church has been doing for two thousand years, um, and that is um, the sacraments of the church or the principal ways that grace flows into the world, and this is the principal ways that that healing uh, and, and liberation take place. Father gave some statistics oh, one year. He had 600 cases came in that year, and only uh, there was less than 10. Five were actual cases of bold diabolic possession. The bulk of the cases that come to us, if they'll follow the discipline protocol, the Lever Christa protocol, and which phase phase one is a reordering of the life, phase two is now looking at obstacles to grace, looking at areas of the life that I've allowed the evil into my life through my own personal sin or areas of unforgiveness because of sin, the sin of another person, the diabolic has entered into my life and I've participated in evil since then because of the brokenness of my human nature, etc. Closing out those areas, confessing on a weekly basis. Once the life is reordered in the first phase and the second phase, we start looking at blockages to grace, what they call obstacles or obeses. Where is grace being blocked? How can grace flow into my life? Authority flows in and, and fills into this in part because letting grace flow from, you know, uh, through the sacramental marriage, but removing it sacramentally. Uh, many, many times we've had we've had cases where whatever lower level stuff, obsession, oppression or low level obsessions will lift in the second phase simply through a good, deep, thorough confession um, and let the sacraments of the church be our aid. And then we go into the, the other phases of the protocol where there's there's deeper resistance, deeper embedding of the diabolic. And those cases are, are, are rare. Most of the time, if you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to 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 grind it out, you know, you know, my wife made the comment um you know, uh, to me the other day, yeah, well, your, your Christianity, your Catholicism, your spiritual life is smash mouth, you know, like smash mouth football. This is big 10 football. This is a Buckeye football spirituality. You just grind it out three yards in a cloud of dust, just grind it out. If you're willing to grind it out and grow in, in holiness, reorient yourself to good old basic Catholic prayers, daily rosary, Eucharistic adoration, weekly confession, deeper examination of conscience, you will self. Most people are self-delivering through our protocol, simply through the sacrament of, of confession and combination confession and the Holy Eucharist, and and a deep-seated, oriented life of prayer. This this is how we're we're mostly militating. Our case are there cases? Yeah, there's there's cases that go to the next level. Most cases can clean up by simply reorienting their lives. And living a Catholic faith, living our faith out. There's no, there's no real secret to what we're doing. Live the Catholic faith out, faith out. Work within the rules that God has established, and the sacraments is, is part of that divine law or divine positive law, as Father refers to it, revealing to us um, how we can grow in holiness. And it's the sacraments of the church, the prayer life of the church, the sacraments of the church. We don't need to look a whole lot further.
Dr. Dan, uh, a common question from people is, something's happening in my house. I, I hear, I see uh, shadow people. I see black smoke. I hear footsteps. I hear things creaking in the night. I hear voices. Dan, would it be fair to say that m- most of that, uh, it's not so much that the demon is infesting the house, all of that could happen, but the demon is attracted to some something in the house. In other words, there's disorder in the way people are living, objective mortal sin, uh, you know, people are living unclean lives, or maybe there's objects in the house. Maybe there's, you know, occult objects. Maybe they got Aztec calendars or Santa Muerte statue that somebody gave them. Would it be fair to say that the the preternatural activity that people claim happens in their houses it's uh, i mean cuz i know this one person says i'm selling this house and uh, i'm going to buy another house and i told the person i said have you come back to the sacraments have you come back to church well not really no no i said do you and your husband have a, a strong prayer life no not really no um i, I and so <laughs> i said you're going to buy another house and you're going to take your baggage with you to the next house because you're still living a disordered personal internal life, you and your husband. You're still living an unclean life. You still Both of you still been living in mortal sin. So you think, no, it's got to be something with that house. So we're going to just sell it. It's an escrow, and we're having a new house built. And I'm, I just said, you have to reorder your life from the top down. I said, whatever baggage... You guys are carrying whatever diabolical, uh, you know, affliction you guys are, are having. You're going to take it to the next house. Dan, what say you? Yeah, oftentimes we, we refer to this as parlor tricks. Uh, the, the, they'll, they'll, the demon doesn't want to manifest. It doesn't want to come out and, and, and expo- be exposed. And so oftentimes when there, when there is um, a manifestation in these ways, God is allowing it. Um, to, to draw the person into holiness. The demon will use it conversely to incite fear, to incite awe, to distract you from prayer, to make you talk all about everything that's happening in my life and not focusing on, on the one thing that can relieve you of these things, which is, which is prayer and conversion, returning to the, returning to the church and the sacraments. Um, and and it, this, these things are all distraction. But yeah, oftentimes we're, we're, we're pig pen. From peanuts, you know. Remember, remember Pigpen? He had a cloud of dust all the way around him, and so we can move from house to house to house, but the dust is around us, and we have to just clean ourselves up. There are there are occasions where heavy levels of infestation uh, of place that that does take place, but for the most part, things are allowed. Things go in there again. When Father goes back to authority, things are in the house because they're allowed in because because we 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 placed uh, cursed objects, you know. Um, you know, and, and while there's nothing wrong with Cocapelli, while it's just a Cocapelli, it's a cultural thing or, you know, this Santa Muerte piece, it's part of my my culture. You know, it's part of my heritage. OK, and I always say, OK, if, if this is if there's no if there's no evil to this particular object, would you take um, if you had some forceps and, and the devices they used for um, uh, abortions, would you put that on your mantle? Certainly not, because some objects are so evil they attract the diabolics. And so if we have evil objects. It's part, again, part of phase two of the protocol is reordering in the life and eliminating all contacts with evil, including getting rid of grandpa's Freemason Bible, 
um, renouncing the, the Freemasonry of our ancestors, getting rid of the little Buddha statue we picked up when we went on, on our trip to the east a while back, you know, to, to China or whatever, um, cleaning our house and making our house a Catholic home, putting images of the mother of Jesus on the wall, putting crucifixes, blessed objects, pictures of the saints, etc., and turning our home into a Catholic home and not allowing this, some of these pagan things enter into our home because basically we're living in a really neo—to be post-Christian is to be neo-pagan. And so we're living in a post-Christian time, which means the void created by the by the the release of Christianity from culture is a, a renewed paganism. We're seeing this daily in the news, you know. And like you had mentioned about the the uh, the witches now are doing hexes and curses whenever the, the 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 riots are taking place to empower them even further. To be post-Christian is to be neo-pagan. We have to recognize this is the culture that we're in. This is the culture that we're raising families in, and we have to start militating back, beginning with the words of Joshua: "As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord." We have to do everything we can within our own households, and then support our local our local church, our local priest, and shore them up, and we and, you know kind of lock arms together and just keep working together to try to bring about uh, culture of life, et cetera, as Pope John Paul had said. Hey, Dan, on uh, next Monday, I want to talk with you, Dr. Dan Schneider, about uh, this is a common question. Mama bear prayers. Mama bears always saying my dad, my husband's unconverted. Uh, he's not taking spiritual authority. He's not acting like the spiritual leader of the house, like the St. Joseph. What can I pray? What can I do? I'd like to tackle that next Monday on the uh, Jesus 911 show uh, and talk really just speak to, to the heart of a mama bear that's had a conversion. Dad hasn't had the husband hasn't had a conversion and uh, the prayers that are safe for Mama Bear, because that's a common question that comes in uh, to this show. You've been listening to the uh, Two Soldiers for Christ coming to you from the Situation Room at the Liber Crystal War College. My name is Jesse Romero. This is High Information Catholic Spiritual Warfare based on 2,000 years of Catholic tradition and teaching. I thank Dr. Dan Schneider, who's uh, he's the resident theologian for Liber Crystal, the linguist and the strategic elements expert. And uh, I just, uh, if you like what you hear, which I know you do, then like this show and uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell to be notified when we come on, and share this show with other people. This is high-level Catholic spiritual warfare, but it's not too high that you can't grasp it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, this is uh, what I would call functional theology, what Dan's giving us every single time we're together. Thank you for joining us at the Liber Crystal War College. This is uh, signing off from the battlefront. If you want more free information, you go to libercrystal.org. Uh, up next, by the way, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. And so, uh, yep, two men signing off from the battlefront. I'm Jesse Romero. Dr. Dan Schneider, get holy or die trying. We're 10-7. We're out. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, 
May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.